This episode is sponsored by Lenlord. If you want three months of premium access to the app, you can do so down below in the description. And we have more on Lenlord coming up in this show. Thanks so much. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 18 of the Canadian Real Estate Homefront podcast. I'm joined today with my awesome co-host, Brooke Hicks. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely. That was a lovely intro, wasn't that good? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. What's going on? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I know. This comes out probably on a Friday, though, so. Oh, yes. Happy Friday. Oh, Friday. Yeah. People will be Better enjoying be some, listening. yeah, and enjoying some patio drinks. To all the crappy stuff we're going to talk about in the yeah. <laughs> it, may, it might be better to listen on a Monday. Yeah, it actually might be. <laughs> Save it for Monday. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> all right, let's get into our first topic. This one was kind of a shakeup, not just in housing, but in the whole kind of liberal cabinet. Ooh, so honey, they shook, they shook the cabinet. They shook up the cabinet. Shake up. I like <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so liberals appoint a new housing minister. The Trudeau Liberals shuffled the deck this past week, replacing several key cabinet members. Amongst those change was our housing minister, uh, Ahmad Hussein. He's out, which should come as no surprise, given house prices have doubled under the current government with an election not far away. Hassan's track record since he took the job in 2021, so he hasn't even been that long, has been eventful to say the least, and his tone depth op-ed a few weeks ago was a final nail in the coffin. So he basically tweeted something. He's taking the blame for everything. Yeah, but he basically tweeted something about the conservatives being so out of reality with house prices. Yeah. As house prices have surged, rent has surged as well. Right. And you're the housing minister. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a little ironic. Yeah. So he was replaced by a guy called Sean Frazier, who is the same guy in charge of immigration. So the same this one's a funny one, right? Yeah. So the same minister that ramped up immigration to mind-blowing levels in the midst of a housing supply crisis is now responsible for fix- fixing the problem that he helped create. Yes, uh, this is from Steve Suretsky. Mm. Yes, the arsonist has now become the firefighter. That's really good. <laughs> Interesting. So I, I don't think that they even announced this. It was leaked that, that he and and the people that were let go, mm-hmm. they stood up to say, "I will no longer be." Um, running for re-election right. as the minister. So they weren't, I guess, coming out and saying that they were fired. Yeah. They were just saying, I'm not re-electing. And then it was leaked that he shuffled up the the cabinet. And I read that uh, somebody, I guess, asked Trudeau, is this because you're almost in agreement that the government has failed during your past eight year eight years in power and he said actually it's very much the contrary. <laughs> we're doing this to uh, support further if you're firing, if you're firing people, something's gone wrong. Let's yeah. just say it how it is. Yeah. I know it's like, oh, we're replacing, but right. it's, it's a nice way. It's kind of like going to, you know, how um, realtors now, instead of doing a price decrease, they go price improvement. Price improvement <laughs> it's of still price a decrease. decrease. <laughs> it's Very the same true. thing, right? And like, why, does, why is he shuffling up the cabinet? Basically why he's doing it, and I believe there were seven positions that he changed. Mm-hmm. Obviously housing, this is the po- point of this podcast. That's what we're going to focus on yeah. is because- um, he's losing votes to the conservatives yeah. in the polls and a lot of them are young people mm-hmm. and a lot of people do believe it's the surging cost of living and because of housing. So I think this is a key this contributor is gearing to up for the next election yeah, yeah. because this is him now able to say, look, we understand there's been some things in the past couple of years that have been outside of our control, like COVID. Mm-hmm. This is us rearranging things, but our what we believe in is still the core of why you guys were our voters. Now we're going to change things around so that these crises, crises, that is crises, crises, I think, um, aren't, we're not going into the future with the, with the same problems mm. or the next years of government. 
So I think it's him gearing up and uh, him trying to get back some of the polls that he's losing. But the other governments are just slashing. And even the NDP, Jasmeet Singh, he was saying that um, over the last eight years, the housing part of the government's job is completely failed. And it's interesting because they have a they have a partnership. A right? coalition, so for yeah. Him to come out and actually say the word failed while being in partnership with him like that, that's pretty, Yeah, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, it's pretty extreme. So what is, what has Sean Fraser said since being appointed? Um, so he does say, you know, naturally Canada's new housing minister says closing the door on newcomers is not the solution to the country's housing woes. The answer is at least part to continue to build more stock. Okay. But I would urge caution to anyone who believes the answer to our housing challenges is to close the door on newcomers. When I talk to developers, in my capacity as a minister of immigration before today, one of the chief obstacles um, to completing the projects that they want to get done is having access to the labor force to build the houses that we need. Interesting. Yeah, so that's his big kind of platform is we're not huh. going to close the door to newcomers. Right. We need newcomers to come help build this supply shortage that we face. Mm -hmm. So it sounds all good and well. So when, when you're a voter, and especially when you're a young person, you vote based on what you agree with. So a lot of it is your position as a government. So Justin Trudeau being more like the top, top down, um, higher taxes, but that helps the bottom earners, mm. right, with the social programs in place and um, having a ton of involvement on the workforce and all of that. Um, it's interesting to hear Justin, or sorry, Pierre Polyev now say that he used to be left wing and because Pierre probably, the way he even speaks is so right-wing to me. It's like, you are crazy right-wing now, even the, just the tone of your voice. But he used to be liberal. Mm. But he he was saying that he now wants our economy moving forward to look more like a, what do you call it? A mm -hmm, free, free economy, like where he used the analogy of if somebody's benefiting, that should also benefit somebody else. So if you have an apple and I have an orange... And I want what you have and you want what I have. We trade. We're both better off because of it. Or somebody goes to a coffee store and orders a coffee for $2.50. Um, you pay your two fifty. The cashier says, here you go. You say thank you. She also says thank you. You're both better off because that coffee is worth more than the two fifty you had. You're both better off. Mm -hmm. um, and then he relates Justin Trudeau to now having gone to this position of wanting to remain so much in power and there's such a power struggle um, where the, the position that he was in when he was elected, they're, he's losing that now, which is the compassionate approach. I want to take care of the healthcare, everything that all these policies that he's put in place, it's like a power grab. Um, so everything he's saying regarding his changes is, is a funny little drama movie. He was a drama teacher. It, yeah. And you know what else is interesting? Just a comment in the eighties when our misery index was the highest, which it was 12% inflation, 25% interest rates, 12% uh, um, unemployment. So it was the highest misery index among Canadians ever. Um, Pierre Trudeau was in power. And now look around with what's happening. Like everybody and their friends are like not as happy. Struggle, right? Struggling. It's, struggling yeah, is, struggle. is a good word to describe. A lot of people are struggling. I hear a lot of times like I'm not feeling, feeling great. Like things yeah. are hard right now. And so the misery index is going up. Um, so he said, just as a dog returns to his vomit, like uh, Justin <laughs> being the son of Pierre, yeah. like our misery index is 
is creeping up to levels yeah. when Pierre Trudeau is in government. That, yeah, it's interesting. interesting. It'll be good. You know what? It'll, it'll be, you know, with the election coming up, I think we'll probably see a record amount of voters come out in Canada. And also it'll be good to see the debates. Uh, it'll be good to see, you know, what position, you know, which party takes. And, and I feel like there's going to be more hostility in involved in it yeah well the american election's coming up first so maybe that'll yeah. that'll allow people to get some pent-up demand out <laughs> well in previous elections like even when stephen harper was in government it wasn't so much of a crazy huge divide and volatility and like back and forth and putting each other down like obviously there's debates that happen and you're trying to oppose the other person's position so that that happens but there wasn't so much hostility with people's positions Right. If you were one on one side and another person was on one side, you kind of respected each other's opinions on who you're going to vote for in government. Now it's like it is even more of a touchy subject. Like if, yeah. you know, you hear a right wing say, oh, I, I actually believe in what Justin Trudeau is trying to accomplish. There are social programs that really help me and whatever the case may be. It's it, <laughs> there's some you're on one side of the fence or the other hostility when yeah. you mention government it used to be only american politics that would create fights yeah it was now it's yeah. canadian politics as well like we are following suit and i think a lot of it has to do with almost social media too because now you have these like quick you know 15 to 30 second clips of yeah you know of and them it, of yeah, them yeah but comments. but when, when Stephen harper was in power like social media it was there, but what was it? Facebook or yeah. a little bit of Instagram? Like yeah. now you're getting these quick yeah. hits and, and you can see the passion people have even on our, even on our podcast. Out. Like we have a, I think we, you know, we have a relatively small following yeah. compared to some of these people. Yeah. So yeah, people well, are, they get fired up. If you, if your belief system is threatened by somebody else's views, it's like attack mode. And mm. that used to only be really seen in American politics, like American politics, just no one bring up American politics. Yeah. That was the thing in a room. Just no one talk about American politics and Canadian was a little bit more softer. Mm. Um, but you know what? It's unproductive at the end of the day. That's what it really is. It's just yeah. um, like you try and have a conversation about something and someone who's uneducated just says, uh, you know, totally. especially on our podcast, right. you're racist because you're white. You can't have an opinion on immigration. And it's yeah. just, it's so unproductive and so stupid, but yeah. that's the reality that we're in. But I people, people are fired up and mad information being given out to mm. there's so much opposing information, so much just little things here and there that there's no one big picture that everybody kind of is able to see. Yeah. You're ha you have to get your information from little snippets of Instagram, TikTok, one press release, Pierre going off against Trudeau, like everything, the, the news, even Fox news versus CNN. So mm. opposing. So there's no, here's the picture of what needs to happen for Canadians to benefit long-term. There's no working together. It's like, it's a power struggle right now with, with them and, I love love to see it, um, yeah. but at the end of the day, they're still gonna. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> they're, they're gonna. I I think that they're gonna probably see their polls come back with with that, because people that aren't right wing and don't like the right wing way of thinking will still follow Trudeau, and especially with this new cabinet uh, change up and the hope that they will be more aligned with fixing our housing. Mm. I think people will. I disagree. I really? think a lot of people have left. Do you and, think it's, and, and it's going to be? Do you think Pierre is going to be voted into? Oh, for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Because right now he's running the polls of being even just. Well, he will definitely win that. I don't yeah, even. Well, if, he's if he wins, that. if he wins young people, a lot of a lot people. of old people are more conservative than liberal. Like if you do talk to a lot of our parents, yeah. and the reason why Justin Trudeau has done so well is because um, he won the hearts of young people in 2015, and he did it again, 
And now that tide is changing and it's evident in the polls. Well, back to the free, like the free economy approach that he was talking about, um, Justin Trudeau, like our tax is absolutely crazy. That video that you sent me with us being taxed at 53%, then you add on carbon tax, then you add on our gas tax, then you pay everything on groceries. You're at least 70%. So that erodes, erodes your income. It's crazy. And back to that free, like if I give you money, it should benefit both of us. And that's how we both kind of grow. And that's how economy grows. It's like a free the the free part of it is that I actually think that I'm better off having giving you my 250 and now having my coffee, right? That's the free part. But with the taxes and all these tax laws and raising taxes, which is liberals way of fixing things, there's no choice. You can't say, oh, I don't actually want the services that these taxes are paying for. It's not worth it to me. I don't choose. To, I don't want to pay it. You, you have to. So it's for, it's almost forceful. It's like mm. government is like legalized force. Yeah. Yeah, and like it, even in that video I sent you to, um, it's like, why would you do business in Canada when you just get taxed to death? Yeah. So that's why a lot of people go to the States. Yeah. That's why they're more productive. They have a better GDP per capita. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah what Kevin O'Leary was saying about how much we lose per day in untapped resources, something like 42, 48 million, 48 million yeah, in untapped day, resources untapped. per day. Per day. Think of how much more productivity, GDP per capita, we can you could get more tax money because we'd be making more money exactly yeah. more people would be employed there'd be more jobs there'd be more tax revenue it's a lot of waste yeah yeah so anyways topic number two yeah <laughs> okay this reports by td so it's not by us it's by td let's preface that okay. it says too far too fast td bank report warns policymakers need to keep up with immigration surge as it affects the economy Canada's record-setting immigration is a necessary remedy to the country's labor shortage and aging population. But a new report from TD warns that there may be a knock-on effects if policymakers don't ensure that economic and social infrastructures is able to keep up with the growth. While population growth is a good thing, TD economists said in the report, the benefits erode if it occurs too fast relatively to a country's ability to plan and absorb new entrants within the economic and social infrastructures. If Canada continues to have annual population growth of a million or more people, TD estimates the housing shortfall or the gap between supply and demand could reach 500,000 units by 2025 as growth collides with downswing in the housing construction. It's pretty crazy. The downswing, we always mention the downswing in housing construction. But what we don't talk about with housing construction is I know there's a labor shortage, so it's important. Right. But also housing construction isn't feasible right now because rates are so high. That's what yeah, people right. need to also consider too. Yes. Although we might might need immigrants to come in and, and help us build and skilled immigrants too, there's also the high rates is also holding people yeah. back from building more units yeah. too. So When I um, lived in North Oakville, I remember knowing where the government housing was. Government housing was like something... I think you knew, but you don't see any new government housing being built, Yeah. but I thought it was a common thing. And then you think about the single moms or, you know, whatever the case may be that need subsidized rent because they have larger families, maybe more kids. The wait time is like 15 years or something. It's so it's insane. Yeah. So the government housing, when they bought pieces of land like that, there's, there's still a ton of land. Go north of Dundas. There's tons. Why yeah. are those being yeah it's quite interesting like why is the government not getting involved in building don't even get why but i mean a block of townhouses you solve 20 people's problem right so it needs to be at scale but why doesn't the government build 
more apartments or something like that because they, in Burlington, they can print like the building. They're all old. They can so print money. To. Yeah, they can print they money. Can print money. Yeah, we know we that. Yeah. that. So why not fund these government kind of housing condo apartments for people, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a thought because right now it's 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 all developers and developers you have to incentivize a developer to build. They have to be totally. making a profit. They have to pay a lot of people. There's a lot of risk involved. So that has to be something where they're actually, it's a capitalistic game, but at the end of the day, that's what we need. We need a free market. So people do build. And if right. developers aren't building, why doesn't the government step in um, and start talking about building homes for maybe less fortunate people? Or like you said, mm -hmm. um, people. I'm seeing now all these little um, tiny homes and mobile homes and like 155,000. Laneway homes. Yeah, Home yeah. Depot. They're actually pretty cute. I feel like those might come into style a little bit. Yeah. I think the big thing though with those is like, you have to set up, um, you know, the hydro, the electrical, like it, it ends up being a lot more expensive than yeah. what people actually think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're kind of getting into a land lease and stuff like that. But I mean, if you made, if you made it attractive enough, you could get people, people doing it, but, uh, uh yeah, the mobile home. So things. immigration obviously, and historically has been a very good thing for our economy. For sure. Yeah. That last year's numbers were astronomical. But if you look at the aging population of the baby boomers this year and the next couple of years, our baby boomers are retiring. That is a significant portion of our jobs, mm -hmm. the baby boomers. Yeah. So I see where those numbers came from. We halted immigration during COVID and then we increased because we halted and with the aging population to fill those jobs, like we don't want job vacancies. Mm -hmm. So I see that, I see where it came from, but not having the solution on the other end is obviously um, the problem. So I guess this guy now, having done that, moving to being now the housing minister, will, will yeah. be interesting to see and like his next his next move, his, his next, next move yeah. on what his solution. Yeah, I don't think anyone's against immigration. I think it's a, like it's an important thing to state is that it's just like what's the plan for it? Like how can we make it so our economy doesn't have so much pressure? Um, in both the economic and social aspects of uh, Canada. Like how do we make it, you know, what's the plan other than just um, letting over a million people when we have a housing supply crisis, we have a healthcare crisis. Like, you know, I think I'll, we talked on this podcast before is that even doctors are coming here and they're working in retail or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like why, if we have a shortage in doctors, and I'm not an expert on this in any way, but it just seems like it's it's pretty black and white. Like why are they not getting... Um, their applications accepted to become a doctor. Why are they working in retail? Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting sort yeah, of. Uh, I, I don't even yeah. have anything to comment on that. It, it kind of boggles my mind. Yeah, it does. Um, hearing hearing that stat, the people mm -hmm. that are so educated and came here for an education and end up not even close to where they thought they yeah. would be. Yeah, that was one of our of best work. viewed videos too. It, well, yeah. it's insane, and I think a lot of people have gone through it, especially people that real life stories. Yeah, real life stories. Here, reading those comments of. They came here for education because Canada's education system is supposed to be one mm. of elite, right? Top yeah. however many in the world. Yeah, Canada's really safe too. Uh, exactly. And um, then that not being as useful as you would think mm -hmm. or even a doctor's starting out salary, how much you're taxed. Yeah. I think in Ontario, they make about 200000 as a doctor. Okay. And so you're giving 53% plus you're paying 13% HSP yeah, plus to every carbon tax, gas tax. Like yeah. 70% is what you should expect yeah um, and then take home what's 30 percent of 260 grand now now uh afford a afford a house for you and your family your mortgage is over 5k a month and i have nothing yeah 
You're renting. And you're a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. That's eerie. That is eerie. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Topic three. This episode is brought to you by Landlord. Landlord's an easy-to-use app that is perfect for landlords or property investors. It allows you to track your cash flow or IRR, and there's a suite of other features within the app. You can get started for free down below in the description, and you can even use it as a deal analyzer that will help you make the right decision on your first rental property. We thank you guys so much for the support, and we're so excited that we're partnering with Landlord. Yeah, I'll do it. All right. Did you just do the immigration ones? I did, yeah. Get topic three up. You're actually good at reading, so. Oh, I'm good. I'm good at reading. You are, yeah. You're better Thank than me, yeah. You. Yeah, you're more smooth. I'm more smooth. Topic three: Consumer spend. Oh, yeah. Can you just one. read this one. Okay. No, no. Topic three: Consumer spending is a double-edged sword as Bank of Canada tries to control inflation. When the Bank of Canada restated, no, restarted monetary policy tightening in June, it placed the blame for more interest rate hikes squarely on consumers. Rapid fire rate increases last year were supposed to have squeezed household budgets and forced people to cut back on spending. By early summer, however, it looked like many Canadian shoppers had missed the memo. (laughs) Spending blew past expectations in the first quarter, aided by unseasonably warm weather in January. Through the spring, Canadians continued to splurge on travel, entertainment, and restaurants. More unexpected was the strength of the rebound in goods spending, particularly in the demand for interest rate-sensitive goods like furniture and appliances. Paul Beaudry, one of the bank's deputy governors, said after the June announcement justifying the resumption of rate hikes after a five-month pause. The resilience of the Canadian consumer has surprised economists and confounded central bankers. Fueled by pent-up demand for in-person services as the COVID-19 pandemic has faded and bolstered by high immigration and a strong labor market, Consumer spending has remained remarkably sturdy through the first half of this year, despite rising prices and the most aggressive interest rate hiking cycle in decades. Yeah. So I think we talked about this before too, like consumer spending is such an important, important metric as to why they pause or they keep raising rates. Right. Mm. So it's such an important metric because if people are still spending, then we understand that, you know, inflation is still going to surge. And I think like something important too is pent up demand. Revenge spending. Yeah. So many people were locked up in COVID and even people still talk about this today is like, I lost two years of my life. Like I'm going out and And enjoying it. How much is that worth to somebody? Because you hear Trip to Italy. Trip to to Italy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Even now with people having not as much maybe money in their bank, people are still like, don't even care. Like, I just want to go. I'll figure mm. it out. More, less than I want to, you know, save for a bright future. It's like, F everything that's going on, I'm doing this. I'm going to yeah. enjoy my life now. And a lot of the spending too, it, it's so annoying to me that it's not measured properly because the people that got in the market last year, they're not spending a dollar over anything that is not a necessity Mm. and people like our parents sure why wouldn't they redecorate their house yeah Yeah, yeah. they don't have rates i think one third of canadians are mortgage-free exactly so that's 33 percent of our population that is mortgage-free so they there's some people that probably have no idea about the rates they're just in their own little world great i watch the news sometimes but very few and far between I want a new couch. I want to go on a vacation. I'm whatever the case may be. Bring the kids, bring the dog. Right? Yeah. Yes, rent prices have gone up, but if you've rented from five years ago till like five, five year old um, rental lease, 
that's probably in relative to affordable, I would say. Mm. Um, you can only increase it a certain amount per year. Maybe you're locked into an affordable lease. What if you get kicked out too? It's tough to kick renters out though. No, but I mean, if you go to put up for sale, you're on a month to month, you're out. If the buyer moves in, yeah, that's yeah. true. That is that is true, but it's not it's not everywhere. No, I know, but it's true, right? right? Like you you could go for, you could be in a lease for ten years, mm-hmm. and I've heard people like talk about like how cheap their lease is, and they're like they it's like oh my god, I hope they don't sell that house anytime mm-hmm. soon. They're like you know I'm paying fifteen hundred bucks. I'm in Liberty Village, and then yeah, they've just been there for ten years, right? They've just been there forever. So, so like you, now it's you're looking at three grand if if yeah. <laughs> if so you get kicked out. Here's a tip for people that are renting. So after your twelve months term, you default to month to month. If your landlord decides to sell that house, the landlord can't kick you out because of the reason of selling, but they can sell with you in it. And if you're given 24 hours notice, other representatives are able to come into the property to show it. You can't say no with with legal notice on your door. Um, and then if it sells and the new buyer wants to move in, they can serve you notice. And then that it, that's a point where you actually have to leave. Now, here's kind of a way around. After your 12-month term, you go month to month, they can only kick you out if you're month to month. So if they come in on month seven, you have the right to finish out your lease term. So after month 12, go to your landlord and say, hey, um, I'm willing to stay. Are you willing to keep me? Let's sign a new lease. I just want it for my documentation for taxes or something like that. Yeah. Sign a new lease. because for, for another 12 months. Even if your landlord sells it and the buyer wants to move in, they you can't. have the right yeah, yeah, yeah. to stay out the terms of your lease. Month to month, they can, they can kick you out. Sign a two-year lease. Yeah. Well, it's dependent on your situation. If you have plans on no, moving or e- buying. Even today, it's like, oh. But sign a new yeah. lease, even if it's, okay, now here's the one thing. The landlord, if you're signing a new lease, can increase the rent um, because oh, it's they? a new lease to market yeah, rents. Yeah. But it's a conversation you have with the landlord. Like, hey, I want to stay. Do you want to keep me? Yeah. Do you mind if we sign a new lease? I need it for taxes, mm. right? Then the buyer has to assume you um, and you live out that lease term. Don't just default to month to month. Uh, maybe have that conversation, but then at that point, the landlord can increase the rent yeah, a little yeah. bit. So it's kind of one of those hey, tricky little. Hey, can we sign up for another year hey, we, like, at the same price? Yeah, <laughs> look just over there. Those. Yeah, no, it's it's a you know it's an important point too. So yeah, I mean, consumer spending is big. Um, I think I think it'll cool, especially as we hit the winter months. I think that everyone's excited. Summer's been good. Lots of travel pent up demand, but I think in the winter months, it's kind of cool. You'll see less people on patios, obviously, because it's winter, mm-hmm. but I think that people will start cutting back mm-hmm. more and the data is always a lagging indicator. I think the data will start to show that people uh, have stopped spending as much money as time goes on. So mm-hmm. that's my two cents. I think we'll see it in the data come, you know, fall, winter time. It's crazy to see how busy malls are, how it's summer though. Like it's just like True. everyone like loves winter. Like you can't get a parking spot in any mall around here. Yeah, that's fair. But again, think of how many people are in a lease that they haven't been kicked out because um, rent's only really skyrocketed in the past three years. Like it was affordable before that. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you're locked into a lease or you don't have a mortgage or you have a mortgage, but you're renting out the basement or you live with somebody else where things are kind of affordable, you're mortgage only a certain free. little yeah. subsection of people that are drastically hurted, hurted, hurt by these rates. Yeah. These people are still going to spend. They're still going to live their life. So yeah, yeah. You want to control these people by hurting these guys, stomp on them as much as absolutely possible until it starts affecting these guys too. Yeah. But these guys are going to be substantially more hurt in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, Just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just keep, keep 
people updated, keep the data coming and mm-hmm. we love data. So we'll, uh, we'll update love you on, on what's going on, but yeah, mm-hmm. consumer spending is important and this kind of leads into our next topic. Um, so I'm going to try and explain this as best I can about okay. bond yields and stuff. Okay. And then okay. you, okay. So my you tell uh, me. newest realtor on my team says she listens to our podcast, loves our podcast, but there's certain terminology that she doesn't understand. So I'm like, okay. okay. For Get her being a that. real estate yeah, agent, yeah. there's definitely people that have no idea what you're going to say. So okay. preface it with what a bond yield is yeah, well. compared to what a variable rate and a fixed rate is and where, uh, where those products are. Okay. So why I'm doing this too okay. is because someone messaged me because I posted on our Instagram story yeah. showing the bond yield went o- over 4%. Yeah. And someone's, and I said, this is bad for fixed rates. Oh, and they said, why is it bad? And some yeah. go, why is it bad? So okay. let me explain this. Got it. So Canadian mortgages to surge higher as bond yield hits a 16 year high. So buckle up. Canadian mortgage rates are about to climb even further in the coming weeks. The government of Canada's five-year bond closed Thursday at a 16 year high. The yield directly influences a key mortgage rate, meaning interest costs are about to head in that direction as well. So what does this mean? So the bond yield is basically people can buy government bonds and they can say you have $100,000. You're like, I want to buy something safe, which is a government bond, which the government usually uses to you know build roads or something of that nature. Um, and then basically what happens is they give you a yield depending on what the bond yield is. So the yield is just the return you get on your $100,000. And they're usually like two-year... Yeah, the most popular one's a five-year bond. Yeah. So that one, you know, you can lock it up for five years. Sometimes they're one, sometimes they're two. So you know what your return is going to be because- The longer you hold, the better the yield. The the longer the term, usually the better the yield. So in this case, um, the yield just went just, it's around 4% right now. Mm -hmm. So if you give the government of Canada $100,000, they're going to give you 4% on your money at maturity when that bond actually matures and you get your money back. Mm -hmm. So you get the 100,000 back plus the 4% interest Mm -hmm. that you gained. So why this has to do with rates. So rates, the fixed rate, not the variable rate, the fixed rate is connected to this because that's what the Bank of Canada looks at. And then the big banks look at this and then they offer a 2% premium on that rate. So right now it's four. So your rates are looking about 6% right now. And why do they do that? It's safer to put your money in a government bond because the government can print money. They can pay you back whenever they want um, versus a household which is, you know, someone could default on the mortgage. They could lose their job. That's how it kind of works. Mm-hmm. So, can I explain that? Okay. Yes. So okay. the fixed rates are connected to the connected bond yield. to the bond and the bank of Canada sets the overnight rate. Yep. They set the overnight rate, which affects the, the variable, variable rate. rate. Yeah. So they're very, very different. So sometimes people, when they're choosing, like the variable rate is completely separate mm-hmm. than the fixed rate. People think that the bank of Canada just kind of sets these rates. No, mm-hmm. the bank of Canada only sets the overnight rate, which is your variable rate. So if you're choosing a fixed rate mortgage product, mm-hmm. it is 100% attached to these bond yields. Yeah. So yeah, basically just, just like you said, right? The variable rate, when you see Tiff Macklin say, I'm raising rates, what that does is it hits variable rate holders. Mm-hmm. Then the bond market trades. So people right. trade the bond market. They trade bonds all day long. Yep. I, it's a little bit over my head, but they trade bonds and it sets the price because right. of by these traders. But the traders are also looking at what the Bank of Canada is doing. Like they're yep. taking data and that's the way they're trading. Yep. So what this means is like, okay, well, I have a fixed rate. It doesn't really matter. But if you come up for renewal, mm-hmm. you're going to have to say you, you, know, you bought, you did a three-year fixed. Now you're coming up for renewal. You had a 2%. Now you're at a 6%. Right. Scary. Say you want to buy a house right now. It's a 6% interest rate, not cheap. The highest it's been since 2001 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference there. So when the bond yield rises, 
it means that interest rates on mortgages are going to rise if you get a mortgage right then and there. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yes. I hope yeah, I made does. sense of that. It does. Okay, so the bank, so the government of Canada's bond yield is one of the most important credit indicators. Since credit is competitive, the yield of these bonds influences the cost of loans over similar terms. So the government of Canada's five-year bond continues to surge. It climbed 10 basis points over the past five trading days to 4.009% on Thursday. The yield is about 129 points higher than last year and the highest since November of 2007. Everyone remembers the crash of 2008. It'd be interesting to say why we think that because, again, the bond yield is primarily dictated by literally traders. Mm -hmm. There's nobody setting it. There's nobody like putting in a, a rate. It's traders, just like a stock that makes a stock go up and makes a stock mm -hmm. go down. Yeah. So it's traders having an inkling on what's going to happen and trading things. Yeah, right? yeah. So they're obviously expecting something with when they go up. Like remember when the bank failures happened in February? Was, was that February? March? Yeah, no. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> See, it was such a little blip. It was a little blip, yeah. Um, when that happened, the bond yields were seriously affected. Didn't it do like a wild yeah. change overnight? I think it did. Yeah, and it, you know, it's continued to go up. So even since um, May, mm -hmm. it's gone up 100 basis points. Mm. So yeah, at the beginning of the year, we saw prices pretty much kind of go on this like almost rocket ship up, especially in the GTA. Yeah. It's like a hundred thousand dollar increase. Yeah. Mostly because the Bank of Canada was pausing. People were thinking, oh, we're going back to normal. Maybe yeah, we'll yeah, and yeah. then now they're they're putting the pressure on again. So to see them pause and increase and increase, right? The Bank of Canada, it's made bond traders say, hey, we're staying higher for longer. There's probably more pain to come. And that's why the bond is yield is is what it is. So just look at the bond yield. You'll see what the traders are doing. Smarter people than us are, are trading bonds. So right. uh, it's a good in, uh, indicator of, of what's to come. And yeah. yeah, I hope that helps because, yeah, sometimes we do talk, especially me. We say things that, say things that people are like, what's going on? So yeah, <laughs> hopefully that helps clarify some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Remember when we first met and you were talking about a bond deal and I was like, you're too smart for me. I actually explained this to you. Now you get it really you're well. Yeah, that's why we started this pod. <laughs> we, we started the pod over Based a bond, bond deal. Based yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I actually remember you're... calling you and explaining it to you. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just just fill me in. Just fill me in and I'm going to make it into a TikTok. Yeah. And then I'll take everything you've taught me and put it out on yeah. social media. Now you're a pro. <laughs> no, yeah. bro. Yeah, there so you go. We started this podcast over the bond yield conversation. Yeah, we did. And you know what? I know it's dry. I know it's boring. But at the end of the day, this kind of stuff helps educate people, especially when they go to buy a home. And that's the most important thing about this podcast is that we try and educate people literally for free so they make better decisions than they'll get free. themselves in trouble. Right? Exactly. That's why wow, we do it. That was, that was powerful. Inspiring. I felt it. Inspiring. <laughs> I, I it's the truth. That. It's the truth. There's too many... Wow. There's too much bad advice out there. I'm not saying we give the best advice, but we do try and educate people as much as we can. And that's the whole goal of this thing. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people's opinions on these podcasts and different advice and who not another to. real estate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, what should I do? It's like, okay, let's bring it back to the basics here. Okay. Can you afford the, can you afford the house mm. as it is right now? Is it, a, is it going to serve you better to be in this house? Is it bigger for your family? Is it in the location you want to live in because of work? Is it, do you love the house? Yeah. Okay. Noise aside. There was that strip mall um, guy on Twitter yeah. and yeah, yeah. he reposted That's, it. That is what was a really about. good quote. It was really good. Don't. Buy a house because you don't expect it to like triple in value. Yeah. Buy a house because you like it. Because you like it and you yes. need it for your family. And you need it for your family. Yeah. And you if you can afford it, excellent. Yeah. Like a benefit if it goes up. Don't exactly. buy a house for an investment always. 
It's great advice. It is great advice because we're getting Simple. lost in the noise. Yeah. There is cloud. Should I buy today? You know, is yeah, it going to yeah. go down? Is it going to go up? Like everybody's vision is clouded everywhere yeah. you go. It's like those, those little, um, doodles I see on YouTube with people just walking with their heads on their phone, mm. walking through street traffic and just not having any idea of anything that's going on because there's just too much noise. The social media has blocked everybody's vision. It's yeah. bring it back to the basics. I agree. Bring it down to like five-year-old yeah. level. How do you explain to a five-year-old if you should buy a house or not? Well, do you yeah. like, do you like that? Do you like that? Yeah. Great. Well, I make a lot of money. I don't know. Yeah. I Maybe. Know. Maybe. But you shouldn't Maybe. Buy you shouldn't buy it for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Obviously there's different ways of real estate. I do a lot of investment. Real if you do myself. investment, it's a different game, <laughs> it's but different. yeah. But should I buy it? Timing the market. Oh, maybe I'll get a better deal in September. Do you like this house or do you not? Do yeah. you think there's a better one, better suited for your family based on layout, location, size, price? Like maybe price is what I'm saying, not to Yeah. Do you judge. love, do you love where you live? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many different factors that, that, yeah. I just like going back to the basics, like you just back said. to the basics. Yeah. I love it. I love it. There's too many, too many people with predictions and it's just, too, I, I'm getting, it's too painful. It's, I'm getting tired of listening to it. I like, yeah. I love my job, but it's to the point where it's like, <sighs> Yeah. That's how I feel sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am, it, I, am I going to be rich? You know, like, I don't know. I, if I knew, I wouldn't if do I this. If I wait job. a month to buy this house, yeah. it will be w worth less. It's like, Listen, if I could see into the future, I wouldn't be doing this job because I would have made so much more money on sports betting and yeah, <laughs> the lottery exactly. numbers. Like, exactly. it's just, I don't know if you're going to make We're a bunch We're expected of money. to know everything, though. Yeah. Any little thing happens um, aside from what we predict. Yeah. It's like, hey. Yeah. You told me. Back in 2020, you said this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried to not give direct advice it's yeah. just i don't have a crystal ball but this is general gen this is what the data shows generally yeah. how things go up take conservative numbers when you're running them mm -hmm. if you are looking for investment real estate but all in all does it work for your family and can you afford it now yeah that's good advice you got anything else that's it all right i'll wrap it up all right guys thanks so much for watching if you're on youtube or spotify or apple music we really appreciate you guys listening to the long form i know the long form is uh longer to listen to versus the short form stuff. <laughs> the long form is longer. The long form is longer. <laughs> but please like and subscribe on YouTube and leave us a review on the podcast. It helps push it out to other people. Um, as well, if you're on Instagram, TikTok, uh, we are on those platforms as well. And YouTube Shorts. Please uh, follow us there for some shorter content. It's like a minute long. Um, yeah, that's where we have the most followers and the DM most people. On Instagram. Like, yeah, DM us, topics. And, yeah, we're going to try and get some guests on here too. So we've got lots of good stuff to come. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, thank you guys so awesome. much for watching and we'll thank see you next you. week.